All right. Well, I want to talk to you today about fueling your prophetic life. I know that you are in this window of time, this uh, beginning of the, uh, heading into your summit, the first of the year, the first of a new decade. It's 2020. Uh, you've heard prophets probably everywhere saying God's going to give 2020 vision in this year of 2020. How many of you think that's maybe a no-brainer? <laughs> thank you. Thank you for the prophets. But I do believe that he is, and I believe that's go what's going to happen in our our lives and so we want to fuel that kind of life uh, and add to that and position ourselves where we can um, um, partake of that realm of prophecy I believe it's as the word of the Lord comes to us that we get steps and stages to help our maturation this morning as I was praying in my room before I came I was I had this thought that prayer and worship cause pr those two things that we do it causes earth to ascend to heaven it causes earth to connect with heaven but the prophetic is when heaven kisses earth it's when God comes to us so we learn a lot about prayer we learn a lot about worship that's us reaching up how many of you know that's an awesome thing but there's a reciprocal right a law of reciprocity when we reach up to God he reaches down to us quite often it's the he initiates it he reaches down to us and invites us to reach up to him so the idea is connection and when connection happens, uh, when, when there is heaven and earth kissing, we have access to see things, know things, be transformed in ways that could never happen if we just, you know, kind of hang in this realm. How many think there's power in that other realm? There's anointing, there's insight, there's 20-20 vision in that other realm. And I want to talk to you today about fueling that so that as you move into this new year and as you move into this new decade and as you celebrate that summit, that there will be a connection and transformation in your life. I don't want you to fall short uh, in any way of hearing and seeing and be transformed by heaven's power. So I'm going to begin, I want to read just a couple of passages to you and then I'll refer to them and talk back, uh, talk back to you about those passages. The first one is found in Matthew chapter 16 and this is where the book uh, Ecclesia where I got the title, it was from this passage, Matthew 16, and probably most of you are familiar with the passage. It reads, I'm beginning reading in verse 18, and um, Jesus had been talking to his disciples, asking who did they think he was, and Peter came up with the right answer that he was the Christ. So as we begin reading, Jesus is responding to the fact that Peter had given him uh, the right answer, and he said, I say unto you, uh, you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and this is the part I want you to look at, the gates of hell will not prevail against this ecclesia. I will build my ecclesia, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I will give you, and this is the verse we're going to focus on, I'll give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Jesus is saying, I'm going to have an ecclesia, I'm going to have a church. Ecclesia, in the Greek, it just means a called out people. I'm going to call a people to myself, and I'm going to give you keys of kingdom management. 
I'm going to empower you to connect with heaven so that you know what's happening in that realm and then you can align this realm with that realm. That's what he's saying. He said, I'm wanting you to manage your earth as kingdom stewards. Okay, hear what I'm saying. Manage your earth as a kingdom steward so that the realities of heaven become manifested in the earth. I want you to heavenize your earth. And when you release, here's what he's saying. He's, he's saying, Ecclesia, when you release your word and your works on earth that are in harmony with heaven, then heaven will get involved with you and make sure that those things are made seen and known and visible in the earth. What a, yeah, wow. Go ahead and clap. That's, or, or, or maybe you want to do this. Right, right. What, is, what does that even mean? And, and how do we even do that? And, and so Jesus, of course, it must be power, powerful and must be possible. Or he wouldn't have said, here's the keys, go open some doors. Here's the keys, unlock heaven. Here's the keys, release heaven into the earth. Heavenize your earth, I love that. So um, here uh, the Lord is saying that that is what he's called his people to do. Now there's one more passage I want us to read and that's found in Ephesians. And this is the Apostle Paul. And he is talking to uh, this church there at Ephesus in chapter 2, verses 5 and 6. And it reads, And when we were dead in our sins, we have been quickened together uh, with Christ, for by grace you are saved. Now, that just means... Um, um, uh, you're alive because Christ made you alive. It's the idea is when Jesus died, he went into the grave. But how many of you know he did not stay there? What, what is Easter? Easter is the celebration that he came out of the grave. But not only that he came out of the grave, but that the death sentence that was on humanity in Adam. Hold on a minute. Remember God said to Adam, in the day you eat thereof, you shall surely die and that death sentence didn't just go on Adam but it remained on humanity but here Paul says Jesus died for you how many of you know he didn't have to die for himself he died for you so your sins were placed on him in his death isn't that the good news of salvation if you're here today and you don't know Christ as your Savior this is it hallelujah this is for you. So your penalty was placed on him and he died in your stead, but he didn't stay dead. Easter Sunday tells us he was raised from the dead. What does that mean? That means the death sentence was canceled. Whose death sentence was canceled? His? No, ours. So that's what it means. You were made alive. When he came out of that grave, death is rolled off of you and you are a new creation. You are alive in God. All right, yeah, that's good. You guys are, you're good. I like a clapping church. Add a few hallelujahs with that clapping, and we're going to have party today. All right. So it says, even when you were dead in your sins, you were made alive together with Christ. And look at this, though. And has raised us up to sit together and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. My words for it right now is you have access to the heavens. 
Remember we just said, here's keys, get a hold of what's in heaven, loose it on the earth. Okay, now we're just told, you have access to that heavenly realm. That's that prophetic realm. That's where what's going on up there we need to know so that it can be made uh, relevant and made expressed in our life here. So uh, holding those two passages in your thinking, we'll come back to them. Let's take ourselves all the way back to the beginning, to the garden. And to try to think with me what happened in the garden. There God created man, kind in Adam, after his image and his likeness, and gave man dominion over the earth. Dominion means it's yours, take care of it, rule it, make decisions for it. And not only that, he said, be fruitful, multiply, and fill it up. So the idea is as wonderful as, and uh, uh, marvelous and perfect as the earth was made, it wasn't finished. Because mankind was going to be able to take the raw materials and figure out what else could happen with those raw materials. How many of you know that's what people do? We figure, what new thing can I get out of this old thing? And so society keeps on changing because we create something new. That's what basically God was saying to Adam. Take the earth and start unlocking its potential. Recreate something new from the earth. And man would recreate something new because, here's what he'd do. He'd say, hey dad, how do you do this? Isn't that what sons do? Didn't God know how everything was created and how it was all made? Wouldn't he have the answer to the mystery? for Adam. So Adam would have sat with God in heavenly places, gotten his lights turned on. Oh, I see what I can do with that rock. And I know Eve was saying, find out what to do with that diamond. You know she was saying that in his... And so Adam then would have had revelation from the heavens, or from God's uh, realm, and then would have gone to work with the earth to make it fruitful, to fill it up. And God would have come back and said, oh, look at that. You made a little bit more of heaven on the earth. You know, when Jesus said, pray, kingdom come, will be done on earth as it is in heaven, that wasn't just like a catchy slogan. That was, this is my purpose, heavenize the earth. Uh, speak it, pray it, release it. So Adam would have been able to take the raw materials and build another stage of the development of the earth, taking the earth from one level of release potential to another level of release potential, or we could say bringing the earth into its glorification. That was Adam's role in the earth. Tag your it, that's your role in the earth too. Continue to access heaven, take your keys, Come on, loose heaven on the earth. When Jesus said this in Matthew 16, that wasn't his first idea of doing that. That's what Adam was supposed to have done way back in the garden. So Adam and Eve were supposed to heavenize their earth with their keys of kingdom management. Somebody said, ah, oh, come on, put the pieces together, right? But then enter, boom, boom, boom. That's, yeah, I won't even try to explain what that sound effect I don't do sound effects well. <laughs> Why I even try is a mystery to me. But anyway, enter the, enter the serpent and basically says, look at this realm. Look at what your eyes see, Eve. Don't you, don't you want to take from this realm? Don't you want to partake of this realm? Shouldn't, isn't this where you should get your information? Look, at, look with your eyes, taste with your mouth, and listen with your ears. I've got good counsel for you. And so the serpent came with a whole set, different set, not heavenly insight, but earthly insight. And of course, corrupt spiritual insight. And Eve took his counsel, and when she did, instead of taking from 
from counsel from heaven to heavenize the earth. She took counsel from a fallen source, and what happened to the earth? It became fallen, and man became fallen. And so uh, sin and death and thorns and thistles and all of that entered into the earth, and we know, hallelujah, that's why Jesus came to roll those things away. But another thing, very critical to our accessing the prophetic life, another thing happened, and that was Adam and Eve got cast out of the garden. How many of you remember that part of the story? So there were these angels, cherubim, set to guard the way to keep them from the tree of life. And so here's this section where God's glory, or let me say the heavenly realm. Could we... Could we put that analogy? Don't think of heaven as way up here. Heaven being where God's presence is. So there was this part in the garden called Eden. And Eden was where God walked. Eden was where Adam and God sat together. Eden was where God's earthly throne was made manifest. So that was kind of like heaven on the earth right there in Eden. What happens to Adam and Eve? They get cast out. And so Adam and Eve are out here. And... Heaven is over there behind a closed door, which is going to make it harder to access the realities of that realm so you know them, see them, and can release them. Adam and Eve were cast out of the presence of the Lord. How many of you know that's what happened? So throughout the Old Covenant pages, now you, you all are well taught so you know this, but all the books of the Old Testament... Coming up to the, the Gospels, that's called the Old Covenant. And then the Gospels and the Epistles, that's the New Covenant. So prior to Christ is old. After Christ is the, the New Covenant. So all throughout that Old Covenant window, you see the effects of what Adam did hanging on humanity. And they're cast out. And so there's uh, oh stuff like you see the Tabernacle of Moses. Anybody ever studied that? Don't, don't make it too complex. It's just a, it's a house where God said he'd meet with the people. And this house had three compartments. And man could get in the first compartment. And man could get in the second compartment. But then he, he would come up to this third compartment. And in the third compartment was a, a piece of furniture where God's glory rested. It was like a throne. And, and the glory would be there among the Israelites in the third compartment. Everybody say third compartment. So here come, here come man popping in to go see God, but he'd meet a veil. And on this veil were cherubim uh, embroidered, and the veil was closed. And so here's the analogy. God was on that side of the veil, and man was on this side of the veil, and there were cherubim that wouldn't let him in. Oh, anybody ever, hmm, think back to the garden. God's on that side of the gate, and man's on this side of the gate, and there's cherubim guarding away. So all throughout the Old Testament, every time man went to church went to the tabernacle, there was a testimony, you can't get back to the glory. You can't get back to the presence. You can't get back to the holy place. It's harder to build heaven on the earth when you have no idea what in heaven's going on. Ooh, that, we just move, we're just going to move right on, right on. Right on by that. All right, so here's what God did in this old covenant order. He's basically saying to himself, I got to let my stewards, I got to let my people know what's happening in my world so they can build it in their world. I got to get heaven's reality into the minds of my people so they can build heaven on the earth. So what God did during that old covenant order, y'all okay to have a little theology on Sunday morning? If you come to Patty's world, you get theology, so...
So we're having on Sunday morning. So throughout the old covenant order, God granted prophets access to his presence. He would let prophets come and sit with him and see what he was doing and he'd speak to them and then the prophets would go tell the people so that they'd have a glimpse, they'd have an understanding of what God wanted for them. So all throughout the Old Testament you have minor prophets, you have major prophets, but these were people that had access to God's presence. One guy was a guy named Micaiah, we'll talk about him uh, tonight probably. It's found in 1 Kings chapter 22 and there's a couple of kings trying to decide if they want to go to war or not and the good king says to the bad king I'm I'd rather, I'd kind of like to know what God has to say. So they called this prophet Micaiah. He comes to them, and Micaiah said, I saw the Lord seated on his throne and his hosts round about him, and here's what I saw. And he tells the kings what God has to say, because he was a man that could uh, see into and hear into that realm. There's another guy, Elijah. You'll know him. Elijah was the guy who came to Ahab, said, it's not going to rain till I say so. But he also, as he's saying that to Ahab, he says, The Lord before whom I stand. And so he says, I have a place in that presence. And since I've been in that presence, I saw what God saw, sees. I heard what God says, and I can tell you what God is going to say. That's the prophet. You know, we think about this idea of a prophet as somebody who sees what God is doing and hears what God is saying and speaks for God. How many of you think that would be true? Sure, that's true. We think uh, in the New Testament, we think of a prophet as someone who gives encouragement or exhortation or comfort in prophetic words, encouraging and speaking from, from the heart of God to the heart of people. And that's true. But all, uh, above all things that prophets were in the Old Testament, and we're going to see in a minute in the New, in your day, prophets are people that have access to the presence prophets were the council members prophets were the ones that God invited you know into those places of glory there's an amazing scripture it's found in Jeremiah 23 uh, verses 21 and 22 I didn't ask you guys to put that up so they won't have that I'll just read it to you Jeremiah said, I have not sent these prophets, yet they ran. I have not spoken to them, yet they prophesied. Yet, if they would have stood in my counsel and caused my people to hear my words, then they would have turned them from their evil ways and their evil doings. What's Jeremiah saying? These aren't really prophets because they haven't been in the council room. These aren't really prophets because they haven't been in the holy place. These aren't really prophets because they haven't been where God is speaking, seeing what's going on in heaven. You can't release on earth what's going on in heaven if you have no idea what's going on in heaven. So God called prophets and gave them that revelation. But there's this amazing story that happens with Moses. How many of you think Moses was a prophet? Remember the glory would go out there in the tent and who got to go talk to the glory? Who got to sit in the glory? Who got to hear from the glory? It was Moses. And then he'd come out and he'd tell the people. Well, there was one time, uh, Numbers chapter 11, where, God, where Moses is going, this is such a big job, I think I want to quit. Or I'd sure like to have some help. And so God said, all right, Moses, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to take the spirit that is on you and I'm going to place it on 70 others to help you. So he, Moses was told, get the people ready, get them sanctified, get them ready. And on a certain day, the Spirit of the Lord would come and put a special anointing that Moses carried. Everybody say prophet's mantle. Okay, carry that prophet's anointing, our council member, our glory dweller. 
I use those heaven accessor. I'm going to put that heaven accessor anointing on 70 so others can see what you've only been able to see. They're going to be able to see it now too. So 70 were ready and the spirit of the Lord fell. And there were 68 of them that made it to the meeting place and two of them that were a little tardy and hadn't gotten there yet when the time came. But the spirit fell on all of them. So somebody comes running up to Moses and Joshua and says there's these two guys, me, dad, El dad. They're out there among the people and they're prophesying you should forbid them. And Moses said, don't be jealous for my sake. And he makes this cra just crazy statement, would that all God's people were prophets. He, he, he's saying, I don't want to, don't be jealous that there's more than me doing it. Nor the fact that there's 70, which is better than it was, but wish, would to God, that everybody had access Access to the heavens, access to the council chambers, access to seeing and hearing, knowing what's going on. Because how are you going to fix it in the earth if you don't know? Right? So he says, would God that all God's people were prophets. Well, years later, there's a prophet called one of the minor prophets. His name was Joel. In Joel chapter 2, Joel stands up one day and he says, uh, in the last days, God's going to pour out his spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters will prophesy. I'm going to read this. I've got it written, so let me read it accurately. He said, your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. And upon the servants and upon the handmaidens in that day, in that last day, in that last day when God pours out his spirit, in that last day, Joel said, he's going to pour out his flesh upon all. I'm, everybody say all. So if you got sons, you got daughters, you got old men, you got young men, you got servants, you got handmaidens, you got them all. Kind of like Moses said, wish everybody had access. Joel says, I'm putting out a word, I'm putting out a prophecy, I'm declaring what heaven's wishes are. There's coming a day. Come on, there's coming a day. And he says, it'll be in the last day when this will happen. Now fast forward through time. I shouldn't... Uh, Sound effects is off and, and physical, yeah, that's, I need to take a couple of those things out of my repertoire. All right, so we get to the day on, and the scripture in, in um, Acts 2, so now we're moving into the New Testament. In Acts 2, the Holy Spirit comes on the day of Pentecost. You've read that where uh, the wind blew and tongues of fire on their head and they're all speaking in tongues. There's just a wild, crazy, upper room thing happening. And uh, the Spirit of the Lord comes upon them. And at this experience, Peter, he goes running out to say to everybody, these guys aren't drunk. It might look like a party, but that's not really what's happening. He says, this... This is that spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh, making everybody prophets. That's what he was saying. This is it. Joel, uh, uh, Moses wished for it. Joel prophesied it. And here comes Peter saying, it's here. The last days when I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Now, I have to say to myself, and I'm saying it to you because I want you to think this too, the last days of what? Right? In the last days, you think last days are someday way out there when Jesus comes again, but that's not what Peter said. 
So we have to say last days of what? Well, let me ask you what had happened between the time that Joel prophesied and the day of Pentecost happened. Everybody say Jesus. Yeah, Jesus came to earth. Jesus came to, to cancel the death sentence that Adam had started. Look, here's Adam putting all throughout the Old Testament a death sentence over all of humanity. But Jesus dies and pays that death sentence. It was the last day of the effects of Adam's transgression. It was the last days of the Adamic covenant. It was the last days of sin and death reigning on the earth. What happened? Jesus came at the last days of that day to start a new day for the future. And so Jesus died for our sins. Amen. He, he purchased the earth to, to set it in a place where uh, th thorns and thistles and the curses could begin to be rolled off of the earth. But he did another thing that we already alluded to, but this is an amazing thing that he did because Matthew 27 says, when Jesus died, he cried out again with a loud voice. He yielded up the ghost and behold, the veil of the temple was rent from the top to the bottom and the earth did quake. Well, what? Remember that tabernacle I told you about? Remember the people come in, and here's a big old veil saying, God's on that side, you're on this side. Nah, 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 you're not coming back. But on the day when Jesus died, the cause for Adam to be cast out, the reason for humanity to be on the other side of the veil, that was all resolved in death burial and in resurrection and so the the uh, testimony God said I'm calling you guys back home I'm making a way for you to return I'm gonna tear the veil open because the day is coming when it won't just be a prophet here and a prophet there but when all my atoms who are redeemed are readmitted into the glory and into the presence we know that Jesus ascended. We know that when he ascended, uh, he sat down at the right hand of God. But I just read you that passage in Ephesians that said, and he ha has raised us up together and has made us to sit together in heavenly places. Pentecost said the glory throne is open. Pentecost says everybody's readmitted. Pentecost said you have access to the Spirit of God. Know that you not that you can come boldly into the throne of grace to obtain mercy and grace. You don't have to go hunting for a prophet and saying you're a prophet, you can get in. I'm not a prophet, I can't get in. But no, Joel said and Peter said this is that which was promised that day of Adamic transgression and being cast out of glory, it's over. And the day of readmittance into the throne is here. We have access to the glory. We have access to the throne. So Jesus said, church, here's the keys. That's what he was saying. You're coming home. You see, even though he hadn't died when he said that in Matthew 16, he, he knew the cross was ahead. He knew that he had the goods to pay our debt. He knew that because he would satisfy what God required, that the destinies would be rolled away and the veil would be open and man would again have access to the throne of God. Pentecost says the whole body of God's elect is readmitted. We have...
uh, access into his presence. We have into his presence, into his presence, and into his presence. It's not a mental ascent. It's not wishing something to be true that isn't. We have been already. You are already forgiven. You are already accepted. You are already readmitted. You can live a life where you can touch heaven and get the reality of heaven so that you can release it in the earth because Pentecost occurred. Hallelujah. We sometimes look at what those Old Testament prophets did. We go, wow, hello, that was the Old Testament. How much better under a new covenant should we as the people of God be able to see and hear and speak and release and believe that when we declare a thing that we've heard in heaven, heaven's got our back and angels are present and power is released for earthly transformation. Welcome, prophets of God, into the counsel of the Lord. Come on, welcome. You may not have the office of a prophet, but you have the ministry. How many of you know you have the ministry of worship, even if you're not a worship leader? You have the ministry of prayer, even if you're not a pastor. You have the ministry of evangelism, because you, you can speak the word. You don't have to have a title. And you have the ministry of hanging in the presence and waiting for that glory, even though you may not carry the office of a prophet. You have been readmitted. Whoa. Whoa. So what I want to say to you today, these next, I'm just going to take about five minutes here and wrap this up, but... Practicing the presence of God matures us. Practicing the presence of God. Not just talking, but waiting for him and his glory and his presence to speak back. Practicing that, it aligns our heart. It opens our mind to his purposes. It enables us to accomplish his will in the earth. I remember being a young believer and uh, I got filled with the spirit. I was the first person I ever heard speak in tongues. And uh, I just knew that's what it was because I knew that wasn't how I was speaking and I'd been seeking that. And so I heard myself speaking in tongues. And, and so then I'm reading the Bible and I see where there's these gifts of prophecy and word of knowledge. And I thought, I don't know what that is either, but I think I want some more of that. So I would... I'd just, I'd go close my door and sit and speak in tongues and then see if I could interpret my own tongues. And, and sometimes I'd, I'd just get, oh, do you, do you ever speak in tongues where you just get so wound up? It's just coming out so fast. You're like almost spitting all over, just, go, just going that fast. And then the, the English words would come out that fast. And I knew they weren't just coming from my mind. They were coming on that same river that had been flowing. I'd go, oh my gosh, I think this is it. And I learned how to hear and release what I was hearing because I practiced. Come boldly to the throne of grace. Sit down there for a while. Isaiah 40, 31 says, But they that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings as eagles. will run, not be weary, and walk, and not faint. They that wait on the Lord. Wait means, in the Hebrew, it means to bind to together. means to like twist. It means as you wait upon him, you become one with him in his thoughts, in his emotions, in his perspective, in his reality. How many of you know if you just see it from an earthly reality, you may have a little deception in there. You certainly have a lack of full 
insight, but when you tie yourself to the Lord in worship, when you ascend in prayer and you ascend in worship and then you wait, come on, take a seat and wait because he just may want to commune. He just may want to speak back. He has invited you into the council, not so you can just da 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 him, but he may want to da 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 back to you. So when you wait upon him, um, the idea of wait in the English, we think about tarrying. But one day the Holy Spirit said to me, Patty, I want you to wait upon me. And when he said that, my I, I just knew what he was meaning. It's the idea of someone that serves someone else. Like if I was in a king's court, I would have my eye on the king at all times. And I always be watching and seeing his need and seeing if there was anything I can do. You have a wonderful staff here. I've come today and they've been, come, can I give you water? Uh, they're looking to my needs. Do you have a chair? Is They're waiting on me. Did you ever go to a restaurant and you had a good waiter? Then you went to a restaurant and had a bad waiter? Enough said about that. Uh, God doesn't, God wants us to wait, to look toward, to observe, to listen. He just may in our waiting time want to extend his scepter our way. He just may want to speak something that we had not been able to hear, unveil something that we had not been able to see, uh, a drop uh, um, a new perspective on something we already knew. How many of you know that, that God can, you may look at it this way, he can just turn you just a little bit and let you look at it from that way and you go oh, I hadn't seen it that way and with every one of those words and with every uh, uh, one of those insights there's a grace that that comes for transformation. There's a grace that comes for you to walk out of that place and be able to say in your earth something you hadn't said before. Be able to stand in your earth doing something you had not been able to do before because you've been empowered from your time of waiting upon the Lord. A prophetic life, come on, is a life of representation. It's a, it's a place where you become so one Mm. in your affections and in your insight and in your understanding and heaven oh, come on gets stamped and kneaded into the very core of your being so that when you step out of that place you're living this prophetic life where you represent re present the, the father and the throne into the earth. The earth is looking. Jesus, the scripture says he was the express image of the father. We could see who the father was because Jesus was in our midst. I want to suggest to you, that's who you're supposed to be. You're supposed to sit there until you're transformed, until you hear, until you see, and then you come out and you represent reality to the world round about us. Jesus said, here's the keys. Come on, here's the keys. Access heaven. Get heaven inside of you. Then begin to release heaven into the earth because the earth is groaning. Come on. The earth is travailing, waiting for mature sons, waiting for prophets. Come on. Who have the boldness and have the courage and have the promise. I belong here. You're not an add-on to heaven. You're what God had in his heart from the very beginning when he created Adam. It was for a family to sit with him. Jesus made a way for you to come home, come home. Come into the glory. Sit in the glory. Represent the Lord. A prophetic life is a life 
or what is seen and heard in God's presence is by faith acted upon in the earth. A prophetic life is a life that carries the power, the presence, and the atmosphere. It's where the alabaster box gets broken and the room gets filled with the anointing and you come out and somebody goes, mmm, you smell a little different. Mmm, you look a little different. You just smile because you know where you got that. You accessed it. Come on. You accessed it in that heavenly realm and you go out to represent the Father. That's a prophetic life. You are invited into that. Praise, worship, you connect with heaven. Prophetic life, God connects with earth through you. In this month, in this year of 2020, in this decade of seeing, I'm trusting that you will operate in this prophetic dimension and you will release heaven into the midst of your earth. Pastor, I'm going to ask you to come.